Amen. Amen. You can be seated. How about a thank you to the worship team? So good. I'd also like to say thank you for not saying amen too robustly when Steve said that there are vast differences between myself and Mike Tyson, although that is plainly evident. Oh, it's so good. Thank you, Steve, for that. Thank you for that, those, that birthday love. It's good. Hey, I got a couple of things just real quick before I launch into my message tonight. One is I just want to remind you the business meeting, it's so important for us. I, I don't know what kind of church background that you came from, but oftentimes business meetings are, are unruly. Sometimes they are um, places of contention. It's never been that way here. Business meetings for us as a church are a celebration of what God has been doing in our church. And so we want to come together. We also bring a transparency. I would fathom a guess that maybe like you've not seen before when it comes to our finances. We believe in an open, open books policy. And so and everybody said together, the church, so you'll log in. And uh, even if you have to fast forward a little bit, you won't hurt my feelings, but, uh, but at least see the transparency that, that, that we want to bring to you. I also want to just say too, we've got a building team that we're, that's getting up and running here and so if you have a trade in some way, a professional trade, your professional training, an electrician, a plumber, HVAC, if, if you could get in touch with us through info at citylifeva.com, info at citylifeva.com, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. We, you know, this building came to us debt-free. It's, it's an incredible miracle in May of 2019. It came to us without debt, but it didn't come to us without cost. And so one of the ways that we're going to be able to keep those costs down as we move forward in the future is we want to have a group of people that have professional training who can come and, uh, and take care of needs. Are we budgeting for professional? Sure, sure. But, but let's, let's offset that a little bit through some volunteerism. So if you have a trade, again, if you could let us know. Hey, next week, too, we're going to be launching a new series. It's entitled Doxa. It's the Greek word for glory. I think there's a slide that's going to come up on the screen. Pastor Justin put that slide together. So good, isn't it? So that's going to be, uh, I think, roughly around a seven-week series. We're going to talk about seven core doctrines of Christianity. N not just because we want you to be informed, but because we want you to start asking the question, if I believe these things, how are they instructing the way that I live? We, we don't want Christianity to just be intellectualism. We want the things that we believe and the doctrines that we hold true and sacred to instruct us, to inform us in the way that we live our everyday life. Is the glory of God in you being made manifest to the world through the way that you live? Right, that's the question we're asking. So that's gonna be, it's gonna be good. Tonight we're doing what's called a welcome weekend. We've not done one in over a year, right? 2020, that's all we have to say. You can just say 2020 and everybody knows what you mean, right? 2020. So we're coming back to that tonight. We're going to be doing these every few months. There's new people that are watching online every weekend, new people that are here with us live and in person every single weekend. So every few months, yeah, you can clap for that. There you go. So every few months, we just want to push the pause button, whatever series we're in or if it's, if it's in between like we're doing now, and just talk a little bit about who we are as a church, as a church family. And we have lots of different ways that we come at it. And tonight we're going to be looking at the life of Peter as we understand who we are. This is also important because it's going to be a great springboard for you. Again, if you're watching online, if you're here in person for Discover City Life, I just I can't encourage you enough of uh, the importance of you jumping in uh, to that next step with us. So somebody say, Jesus finding Peter. 
Jesus finding Peter. We're going to look at three tonight. This is the first one, Jesus finding Peter. This is out of Matthew 4, 18 to 22. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, and throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, right? They know these to be the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them and said, come to, and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat, their boat far and their father far behind This is important to us because we want to be a church where people are found by Christ. We we, we want to create an environment when people come in that they're found by Jesus. Because just as we read in this story, Jesus is doing this for every person that's alive. He's looking for people. Those of us who have made a vow of devotion to Christ, we can think back into our story and we can remember a time where we were found by Jesus. I got to get together with an old college friend uh, this past week down in Virginia Beach, and, and uh, we, I haven't seen him since I, I graduated college in 89. I don't think we've seen each other since the, the 80s, and so we've been talking on Facebook a little bit here and there, but uh, I, Christ found me in 1990. Christ found him in 1992, and so when we got together. We were sharing our stories about how he found us, and he was telling the story about how a friend of his that was in a, a Grateful Dead cover band, that alone just tells you where we were in our college years. And, and his friend said, why don't you come hear this new band that I'm a part of play? And, he, and, and my friend said, sure, I, I'd love to. This was in 92. And he said, he said you know, when's it going to be? He said, Sunday morning at 10. And he, and he was trying to think, what bars around here open at 10 in the morning? And then he said, true story, he said, I was trying to think, and why would anyone go? And uh, so finally, his, he kept asking his friend. His friend said, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm a part of my church's band. And he was like, oh, I'll come, I'll come. So he came and went, and he said, he, he grew up in the church, but not in a church where people were really excited to be there. And he said, I couldn't get over the fact that everyone that I saw was excited to be there. He said, I've never seen that. I've never seen that expression on someone's face in church on Sunday morning. He said, so they invited me to a small group, and we got to the small group, and he said, I, right at the beginning, I, I just said, why, why are we always talking about Jesus? There's all kinds of people that played a role in the Bible. And he said, the small group leader paused and said, you know, we had a plan for what we were going to talk about tonight, but I think we're going to set that aside, <laughs> and, and we're going to spend some time answering, we'll call him John, answering some of John's questions. And, and, and John said, when I left that, I thought to myself, they probably think I'm the biggest jerk that, that, that I was like questioning their, their passion. And then we were joking after he left, you know that small group has never been so excited in their entire life. They actually had someone come who had not yet been found by Christ. And he was in that church for the next year and found Christ, met his wife three weeks later, who was a Christ follower and were married. It's such a powerful story. If you're here tonight and you've never made a vow of devotion to Christ, Jesus is looking for you. From the moment you and I have been born, there's been an ache in our soul that is never satisfied until we're found by him. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 reads this way. Listen, but if you, if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people 
who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about spiritual language, but this is what I would call a fill-in-the-blank text. What Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, don't forget one of the main reasons why you gather. It's not for you. It's for other people. It's for the person who comes in who's not yet been found by Christ that you want to create an environment where as they come in, they all of a sudden feel like they're being found by someone. We want to be a church where people are found by Christ in our midst. We, we talk about this idea of, of creating an awakening environment. The reason why we do psalmic worship is because we want to awaken you to the presence of God in the room. One of the reasons why we preach and teach the way that we do is because we believe that the word of God, as it says in, in Hebrews 4, is alive and active, penetrating to dividing soul and spirit. Judging the intent and the attitude of the heart. Because God's word awakens us to his presence. So one of the reasons why we have a mic that's right down there. If you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, you know that there are leaders that we trust. Other people in the church that we know and trust their motivation and attention sometimes will pause the worship service because they feel like God is saying something to them that they're supposed to say to the church. What's that about? It's about awakening you to the presence of God in the room. The reason we pray that we do and the main reason why we gather, we gather for all kinds of reasons, don't get me wrong, but can I just tell you the main one? Is because we're challenging you to bring the God in you into a space like this with everybody else that's bringing the God in them, and we create a spiritually enriching environment that begins to awaken people to the reality of a living God, and it's in those places and those settings that people are often found by Christ himself. One of the reasons why people begin to lose their sense of passion for gathering and for church is because they don't make the turn. What's the turn? It means that at some point you've got to stop coming because you like being found and you've got to start coming because you get excited about others being found. See, because when we first start coming to church, we've never made a vow of devotion to Christ. It's all about us and that appeals to our humanity and it should be that way for a time and a season. But at some point, you've got to make the turn. At some point, if your, prime, if your first question you're asking is what's in it for me, you're asking the wrong question. At some point, you got to come because somebody else needs to be like you in the beginning. City life is a safe place where people discover the idea that Jesus is looking for them. It's why the word encounter is so central to who we are as a church. Family in our church, friends of ours, he got his wife a DNA kit recently because part of her story is that she was adopted when she was little. She's never met her birth family and there's just been a longing in her heart. So he gets her this kit, it's this kit, it's, 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 it's connected to a service that's that's, that's networked so that if you're looking for family members, long lost family members, you can take this, this, this the, you, you do the, the DNA, you submit it, and then it goes into their database and it, and it comes back and it tells you if there's a match. And they're, they're connected into all these other databases where people are looking for each other. And, and, and right away, hers came back with a 100% match. 
She said, Fred, you know, you don't understand. 100% match means that you either have a child or a parent that's in this database that's looking for you. Now, she knew she didn't have any missing children. She jokes that maybe sometimes she wished some were missing. But she said, I knew I had a parent out there that was looking for me. Oh, stop it. Come on. So she goes onto the forum and puts in her contact information. And within a matter of days, her father called her. Come on. Can you imagine the feeling? Just watching her tell the story. Some of you know her. She's already told you the story. The expression on her face, knowing that her father was out there looking for her. The feeling that she had when she was found. She had brothers and sisters that she didn't even know about. Her whole world is changing right in front of her because she's been found by someone who loves her. All of you in this room, if you've not made a vow of devotion to Christ, all of you in this room, if this idea of God being your father is foreign to you, he's looking for you be found by him. Be found by him. Jesus finding Peter. The next one is Jesus loving Peter. Jesus loving Peter. We, 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 we like this idea of God looking for us, but once he finds us, he starts loving on us in a very unique way. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. So, right, we're, fa we're fast forwarding through time. Now, 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 Peter is somebody that's traveling with Jesus throughout Israel. Right, and Jesus comes to them and says, I want you to cast your nets. And Peter says, hey, we've been fishermen our whole, this is what he's saying, we've been fishermen our whole lives. Well, we leave the preaching to you, why don't you leave the fishing to us, right? We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you, if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. The nets began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus had said, oh Lord, please leave me, I am such a sinful man. Whew. See, because at some point, Jesus starts revealing to us the sinfulness of our heart. See, because he loves us, he doesn't leave us the way that we are. He accepts us the way that we are. He, he loves us in spite of who we are. But because he loves us with a perfect love, he, he refuses to leave us in our depravity. And he will bring us into moments like he did here with Peter, where, where all of a sudden he helps us see ourselves, especially when he gives us a glimpse of what he sees. Jesus loving Peter. See, there's two primary kinds of sin that the Bible teaches, the sin of commission and the sin of omission, right? The sin of commission is the one that most people are familiar with. It's the bad things that I need to stop doing, right? It's the things that I do that are moral and wrong that I need to stop. Sins of omission is the good that I should start doing that I need to start. Both are sin. Spiritual, one of the marks of spiritual maturity is that you're moving out of the cumness of sins and into the omiss of sins. At some point, we should begin to conquer morality, but we're going to be sinners for the rest of our lives because we're never going to rise to the standard of doing all that we should. 
God wants to show us the things that we need to stop doing and the things that we need to start doing. City life is a safe place where people help each other see their sin embrace. See, because one of the ways that God does this is through each other. See, one of the ways that God begins to show us how he sees us is, is through people that he surrounds us with and brings into our lives. I believe City Life is supposed to be a diverse church. I've been talking about that for years. But one of the reasons why I believe that City Life is supposed to be a diverse church because if you only ever surround yourself with people that look and think just like you do, you're gonna do a really bad job of helping each other see one another's sin because you're living in an echo chamber. You know what the insult that no identical twin has ever said to the other? You're ugly. Yeah, think about that. If, if you only want to be in an environment where everybody looks like you and thinks like you, guess what? You're going to live the rest of your life with all kinds of blind spots because they don't see them because they've got them. And if they do, they don't want to challenge you because they don't want to be challenged themselves. We are desperate for diversity because we're desperate for holiness. There's three words that I taught the church at the anniversary service at the end of January. Celebration, confidence, and collaboration. Celebration, confidence, and collaboration. If you've not heard that message, you need to go listen to it. It's called Greater Works. If you've only heard it once, you need to listen to it again. That's where we're headed as a church. Diversity through celebration, Madeline Harris, who was on the worship team tonight, I don't know if she, she was right there, sent this to me. I said, oh, you're going to hear this in my notes. She sent me this quote. She said, everyone has their own unique passions as well as their distinct burdens. We are responsible to pay attention to what moves us and respond in faith. The body of Christ grows when each member gives what they have to give. That applies not only to our gifting, but also to our burdens. What breaks your heart might not break mine. You're not responsible to convince me to, to, you are not responsible to convince me to change. You're responsible to be generous in the areas where you feel called to. Not talking about the change in sin, but at some point we've got to stop trying to change other people's passions and burdens that God put in them. It says, offer what you have in the presence of others. Pray over what breaks your heart in the presence of God. It's a book by Emily Freeman, A Million Little Ways, Uncover the Art. You were made to live. Thank you, Madeline, for sharing that with me. See, Galatians 6 says that we're supposed to bear one another's, one another's burdens. It does not say that we're supposed to silence one another's burdens. We got, we got to do better at that as Christians. Celebration, this is part of who we are at City Life. It means that we're, we're going to choose to not be offended by the passions and burdens of other people. In fact, we're supposed to be curious about the passions and burdens of other people. And can I just tell you one of the reasons is because oftentimes those passions and burdens that you feel threatened by, that sometimes I feel threatened by, the reason we feel threatened by them is not because they have a problem, it's because that passion and burden reveals a problem in me. And we want them to be quiet and sit down because we don't like that feeling of conviction that's stirring deep in our soul. 
you see a passion and burden in someone else and you, you don't understand it, then listen to them. And can I just tell you this? If for some reason their passion and burden is out of order, if for some reason it does need to change, it might be that God's calling you to be a voice of influence in their life to help them see that. But the only way they're going to do that is through a loving relationship of trust. See, we got to build a bridge to people who have passions and difference and, and burdens that are different than ours because sometimes we're supposed to be the instrument in changing them, but sometimes they're supposed to be the instrument in changing us. Celebration. It's a hallmark of the culture of City Life Church. Confidence. We're going to pursue diversity through confidence. Confidence is, is born out of this idea of a confident pluralism. There is a vast difference between confident pluralism and political correctness. I'm not a big fan of political correctness. Political correctness means that you don't say what you believe to be true because you're afraid it's going to offend someone. Confident pluralism says... I am courageous enough to say what I believe to be true, even though it might offend someone, and I'm willing to listen to others who share a belief and a perspective that maybe I don't have, even though it, it feels offensive to me, I'm willing to listen. The church should be the place that's teaching the world how to do that. A confident pluralism. For decades, too many Christians have spent too many hours in churches that are afraid to listen to opposing points of view. That's not going to be us here. Does that mean that we don't believe in truth? No, it doesn't. Does that mean that we don't believe in morality? No, it, that's not what we're saying. We, we recognize that there are boundaries that are given to us in Scripture, we believe in this idea of universal morality, but the Bible also talks to us about something called matters of conscience. We've been teaching this for over, over 10 years here at City Life Church. We get into trouble when you want to take your matters of conscience and make them issues of morality. And then we get into trouble when we want to take universal morality and make that a matter of conscience. One leads to legalism, the other leads to permissiveness. And we got to find our way forward together. All of us have things on the moral list that need to move to matters of conscience and vice versa. You know how we figure that out? It's by being around people that are different than we are, who think differently than we do, who look differently than we do. Philippians 2, 1 through 4, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but it's the great text that talks about us putting others before us, us thinking of others as more highly than ourselves. It's where Paul tells the, tells the church of Philippi to be of one mind. And, we, and we've gotten this wrong because we pulled it out of its context. Be of one mind doesn't mean that you've got to always be in agreement because the context is to think of others more highly than yourself. So what Paul's saying, be of one mind in the sense that you're willing to make room for the minds of other people. Be of one mind in the sense that you're all of, of one mind in that you make room for diversity. Learn from each other, serve one another, defer to one another. Diversity through celebration, diversity through confidence, a confident pluralism. Bring your ideas to the marketplace and let's trust that truth will do what truth does. Truth will prevail. Truth will prevail. If, if, you, if you make an open marketplace 
for truth, truth will always win. Sometimes it's your truth that wins, and sometimes it's their truth that wins, and we need to change. Diversity through collaboration. Diversity through collaboration. So you can celebrate others. You can believe in a confident pluralism. You can practice this idea of bringing your ideas and thoughts to the marketplace, making room for others. But at the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself the question, but am I really willing to stand alongside people that are different than me and build God's kingdom with them? Am I willing to collaborate? Am I willing to bring my life into a relationship or am I just tolerating people? See, if you just have the first two, you leave room for, for just tolerating But the body of Christ is called to community, which God calls a family. He doesn't want us to just tolerate each other. He wants us to work with one another. Imago Dei, one of the central beliefs in Christianity, this idea of the image and likeness of God. You and I have got to stop rejecting parts of God that we don't understand by rejecting people that are different than we are. Acts 15, love this chapter in the Bible. Luke tells the story of the early church, one of their first major decisions they had to make. And in this chapter, it talks about who are we to reject someone who God has given to them his Holy Spirit? Who are we To say to someone else, I will not be in relationship with you, I will not work with you, but yet God has given them his Holy Spirit. Who were we? If if you can't serve Jesus alongside people who are dramatically different than you are, you are rejecting that part of God that he is revealing to the world through them. See, God's trying to reach the world. And he's put all of who he is in you, but your image and likeness is unique in the sense that you only bear a part of that, And but then when we come together as the body of Christ, the world is supposed to see all of who God is. We've got to recognize that we've got brothers and sisters in Christ who not only are supposed to look different than who we are on the outside, but on the inside too. When it comes to passions and burdens and points of view and perspectives, I've got a list that I'm going to give to you. I've shared it before. I shared it at the end of of the year when we were talking about greater works, personalities, doctrinal beliefs, spiritual gifts, church preferences, politics, worldviews, social ills. All of these. Is, Is some of it born out of our human nature? Sure it is. And that's part of being in a diverse setting to sort through what's the image of God and what's the image of myself. But my definition of a modern-day Pharisee, if you only believe that God is only ever on your side and no one else's, guess what you are? Yeah, a Pharisee. We need people who are different than we are. Within moral boundaries, absolutely. But can we just agree that there's a whole lot of room for disagreement on all kinds of things, even within the context of universal morality. Not just with things that are always going to be mysteries to us until we get to heaven, but but our passions and burdens. God's got different kinds of passions and burdens for all of us that can all work together to the same end, which we'll talk about in a minute. 
So we talked about Jesus finding Peter. We want to be a church where people are found by Christ. Talked about this idea of Jesus loving Peter. We, we want to be a church where we recognize we need to change. There's sin in our lives that we need to see and that God's going to use people that are different than we are to help us see it and vice versa. The last one is this, Jesus moving Peter. We see him finding Peter, we see him loving Peter, and now we see him moving Peter. Matthew 16, 15 to 18 reads this way, then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Stop it. The powers of hell will not conquer it. This is the great text where we see Jesus beginning to move Peter. Listen to me. He's moving Peter out of a me-centered life into a God-centered life. He's moving Peter out of a me-centered life into a God-centered life. See, because soon after that, Peter tries to correct Jesus. Why? Because Peter is me-centered. He's still not God-centered. And you and I are going to wrestle with that for the rest of our days. But God wants to move us out of, out of this way of living from this point of view where it's about us. And at some point, it's got to shift to being about what God's about. And he has one ultimate mission, people, and that is to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus. That's it. There's lots of things that God is doing in the world. I'm not saying he's not doing anything else, but that's the most important thing, and I would argue everything else eventually leads up into that ultimate purpose. At some point, you've got to decide what you're going to live for. Doesn't mean that you can't have passions and interests and hobbies and things that you enjoy doing. We're not saying, we're not trying to restart the monastic movement. People tried that and it failed, and good. Because that's not God's design. He, he made this world like it is because he does want us to experience the beauty and the wonder of this human experience. I believe it. Or he would have made us differently. But he didn't. So yes, there's room for things that only have temporal purpose and temporal meaning. As long as those things aren't displacing these things. At some point, you've got to make a shift is God's mission my most important mission in life? Because city life is a safe place where people discover that they have a part to play in God's mission. Engage. Engage. I made a vow of devotion to Christ in December of 1990. See, we don't find Jesus. Jesus finds us. But in that encounter, we have to surrender to him. And that came for me in December of 1990 when I made a vow of devotion to him. And I, I remember I, I was still living with my parents then out in, the, in, uh, in, in eastern Henrico County in Verina, and, but I worked in the city, in downtown, in downtown Richmond for a child sponsorship agency that was then called the Christian Children's Fund. And, and I remember one day uh, driving down the street and I was now a devoted follower of Christ and I saw this person standing on a street corner in the city, right? People are walking around driving and he had a big wooden placard on, right, with the straps. And he was, he was preaching and proclaiming Christ. And I said, dear God, please do not ever ask me to do that. <laughs> 
please, please, Lord, I've given my life to you as long as that's not the life you have for me, right? It's, I get it, but at some point, we have to trust that God has our best interest at heart, and we have to trust that the plans and the purposes that he has for us, the passions and the burdens that he has for us, even if at first glance they frighten us, we've got to ask, do we believe in the sovereignty of God or not? I've got to move out of a me-centered life into a God-centered life and let him begin to rearrange things as needed. I don't know what every person's part is that's in this room or watching from home, but I do know this, you have a part to play. You have a part to play. There's a part of the image of God that you carry that no one else does. And we're supposed to all bring this part of who God is in us, the image and the likeness that we bear, and bring it together to something that Jesus calls the church. If you're looking for a church home and you think your passions and burdens might align with those that we have here at City Life, then we say to you, welcome. And then if it's not here, find your welcome somewhere. We have one central message here at City Life, Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Steve referenced it earlier. We sum that up into one simple statement called heaven now, heaven forever. The goodness of God is central to everything we believe about life with him. I'm not going to go there for the sake of time, but John 6, these notes are always online every weekend through our website, through our podcast page. They'll, they'll, it'll populate next week. John 6, 60 to 68. John 6, 60 to 68. It's where Jesus talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And, and then most all of his disciples left after that day because they said it was too hard of a saying. This is my promise to you. We will never negotiate truth for a bigger crowd. We will never negotiate truth for a bigger crowd. We've got to bring the message, all of us together, that we know that God has given to us. And sometimes that message brings people in, and sometimes it sends people out. That's one of the reasons why I think this is recorded for us in Scripture. Now, if they're being sent out because there's a problem with our character and because our message is wrong, that's on us. But even Jesus experienced truth being too much for people to embrace. We want our message to always be true. Always be true. We have a moment that your family from the first hello, your family from the first hello, which means that we believe that participation brings transformation. We joke all the time, we're not gonna take any risk with new people in the nursery. You gotta pass background checks, references, all kinds of stuff. But we take all kinds of chances with grown-ups. All kinds of chances. If you're surprised at the words that come out of somebody's mouth when they're working with you to set up because they drop something on their foot, don't be offended. You need to say to yourself, participation brings transformation. Yeah. Maybe they learned that word from you, just saying. <laughs> we have a mission to build the church Jesus envisioned, to love the world he died to save. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus say to me, Fred, you built something, but it had nothing to do with the church that I wanted to see. 
Jesus has a vision for the City Life Church. And we want to build that church. We want him to be the architect. And we're building it according to his plans. John 12, 32 is where Jesus said, If I be high and lifted up, I will draw people to myself. See, we believe that the first step in building the church is building the character of Christ in you. That's where it starts. That's where it starts, people. Building the character of Christ in people is how we begin to build the church. You saw a little green booklet as we were talking about Discover City Life. That's free to you. Find someone in a blue shirt at the end of the service, and it's a gift that we want to give to you. If you're watching online, you can go to letspraxis.com. The download is free. As the band's coming, we're going to go back into a song, then I'm going to come back up and lead us through communion. But there's a fourth M word that we're starting to talk about that's beginning to stir here at City Life. Right, we have the message, we have the moment, we have the mission, but we're calling it the miracle. And the miracle is that we believe there's supposed to be a relationship miracle that happens here at 311 Selden Road. I believe the world is longing to see that the church is still capable of doing something that is impossible anywhere else. And I believe that miracle is demonstrating that people can be of one heart even when they are not of one mind. I believe that people can be of one heart even when they are not of one mind, meaning that even when we can't reconcile our ideas, our hearts can still remain reconciled. Irreconcilable ideas does not have to equate to fracturing of relationships. That's what happens in the world. It should not happen in here. And I'm telling you, when the world begins to see that, they're going to come looking for questions about who was this man that you called Jesus. In May of 2019, there was a miracle that happened when this building was given to us, five acres behind CNU, 40,000 square feet of usable space, a three and a half to four million dollar debt-free asset. It's miraculous. It's miraculous. I believe he gave us that because he believes that we are building the church that he has envisioned and that he wants to see a miracle happen on this property. This property that it's going to inspire the world to still stand in awe of Christ today. Stand with me. Father, as we sing this song together and prepare our hearts for communion, I pray that people that are watching online and people here that have never been found Jesus by you, that they're going to be found right now. People, people that that need to let you love on them a little bit, to challenge them, I pray that they would open up their heart and let you love on them. People that need to be moved right now. Maybe they've been walking with you as your child for a long time, but maybe they're like Peter, they're stuck in that place of a me-centered life. It's time for them to shift over to the other side, to a God-centered existence, and begin to ask the question, God, what can I do to build your kingdom? so that this world and everyone in it can be reconciled to you in Christ. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together.